As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I hope anybody not stupid enough to write this off. It's Two Stars, the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. Every week we delve into all the big news and notes from Trentside in the company of those who know and love the club. In this episode we'll talk transfers, be they modestly or otherwise. We'll react to the FA Cup draw, look ahead to a couple of crucial league games and ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Two Stars. Yes, hello there, listener. Whether you're a first-timer or a long-timer, you're very welcome to join our weekly chat slash group therapy session on the world's greatest football team. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, a Forest supporter and a broadcaster. Paul Taylor is the Athletics Forest correspondent, still basking in last week's Boateng base glory, presumably, Paul. <laughs> I still can't get over it myself. You know, I'm feeling a slight sense of pressure about repeating that this week. <laughs> I, can, I can almost guarantee that it won't happen again for many, many weeks. But we'll always have George Boateng. We'll uh, always also, have George. Also with us, a writer and broadcaster for The Athletic, a collector of forest mugs, the Glamazon, Nick Miller. Hi, Nick. The glam- Oh, God. The Glamazon, that's a wrestling thing, isn't it? Glamazon. Is that Yeah, is that it's going to be this way every week, yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Um, I was thinking of an opening quiz question to settle us in. I thought it might be lion-based, given Forrest are playing at Millwall. But, but then it occurred to me... A lot of the championship clubs have animal-related nicknames, but how many is the question? Uh, so 24 teams. Nick, how many of them do you think have animal-based nicknames? Oh, are you going to get us to name them? or am I just, No, just no, you, you can just okay. have a stab in the dark. If, if you both have a similar guess, then we'll come down to naming. But um, I'm going to say eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, Paul, any advance on eight? Just to be awkward, I'm going to say nine. Oh, well, you're the closest, but neither of you are right. It is actually ten according to my count, that that being the Bees of Brentford, the Robins of Bristol City, the Bluebirds of Cardiff, the Rams of that lot, the Terriers <laughs> of Huddersfield, the Lions of Millwall, Canaries of Norwich, Owls of Sheffield Wednesday, Swans of Swansea, and the Hornets of Watford. A lot, lot of birds there. A lot of birds. <laughs> um, it's this kind of stuff, listener, that you definitely won't get if you sign up to The Athletic for just £3.99 <laughs> a month for the first six months. You'll enjoy unrivaled coverage of your club in 2021, as well as ad-free podcasts via the app. Just go to theathletic.com slash forestpod for all the info. Right, it's January, which means the sales are on. We'll talk transfers next. <laughs> So before we get to some specific player transfer tittle-tattle, I wanted to have a chat about a big piece Paul and friend of the show Danny Taylor have written for The Athletic on Forest transfer policy since Evangelos Marinakis bought the club and the role played in that by Francois Modesto. Uh, this chimes nicely with a tweet we've had from Thomas who wanted to know about Forest recruitment and ownership model. Uh, Paul, for anyone who doesn't know, tell us who Francois Modesto is and what his role is at Forest. He's a French former footballer and a, a very charming, suave man who uh, I think his official title is technical director, but he's, he's, his key role is in recruitment largely. Uh, 
He uh, has been at the club for a while. It was initially him and Jose Inigo who since left, who were kind of figureheading the recruitment drive. Uh, and, and since then, Inigo's left. And now Gary Brazil kind of looks after the, the domestic side of things. And Modesto oversees uh, potential foreign additions. As the piece that we rather extensively wrote uh, in the last few days sort of outlines, there's been many successes within that. And there's been rather too many failures as well. So kind of feels like a even though there's not going to be too much business done this January there's going to be a spotlight on on what work is done because you know last January was a key reason why Forest to be frank probably flopped in the second half of the season they needed to strengthen last January they didn't do it they probably ended up weaker you know they went into the window looking at players like Dwight Gale, Grzycki and Luke Freeman last January and ended up with Adamadir Carby, Gaten Bong and Nuno Da Costa which uh, you know to be blunt didn't really add a lot, did it? Uh, Gaten Bong, I, I still think, might be better than than we 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 saw on his debut, certainly, and he, he he's had a few better performances recently. Uh, but but this January, Forest really need uh, to make sure that they do strengthen with any additions they make if, if they are going to carry on their what feels like a climb away from the wrong end of the table. In terms of Modesto, he does a similar role at Olympiacos, doesn't he? And, and that kind of creates a, a conflict of interest. You know, For, Forest end up getting players that Olympiacos don't want. Yeah, you, that, that's obviously going to be you know something that's aimed at him, uh, and you can understand why. There's going to be a justifiable level of concern there. It is something that I actually spoke to him about when uh, shortly after he was appointed when. We went out. We were given a tour of the Olympiacos training ground, which was very grandiose and, uh, you know, high tech as you might imagine. Uh, lovely setting up in the in the hills by by Piraeus, and he he talked about how the, he didn't feel like there very often was a conflict there because it's different types of players. He said what he learned early on uh, in the first few months of of being at Forest and watching Forest play and watching Championship football was that the type of player you need in theory for the championship was actually quite a bit different to what you needed for Greek football. Uh, and having watched those couple of friendlies with Olympi- uh, against Olympiacos and Atromitos, you, you could kind of see that there, there was a, a bit of a difference in the style of play, not least because Olympiacos absolutely trounced Forrest, but that's a different matter altogether. Uh, his argument was a reasonable one, but I can also see why people would have concerns if he finds an absolute belter of a young player, for example, playing in France at the age of 19, who, who does he pitch it to? Does he pitch it to Olympiacos or does he pitch it to Forrest? There's, there's going to be claims of favouritism, whichever way he does it, isn't there? There are. And speaking of concerns, Nick, I'm sure you shared mine reading the piece about, about the haphazard approach to, to transfers over recent years under under this ownership and, and under Modesto's watch, if you liked it, certainly to some extent. So, some of the players named as being linked with Forrest, entirely unrealistic. You know, Calvin Phillips, Reese James, maybe they could have got him when he went to Wigan, but but Stuart Dallas, were Leeds ever going to sell him to Forrest? Peter Crouch, who retired a couple of months later. That, that to me, feels like somebody who doesn't know the market particularly well, plucking out names that he's heard of. Yeah, it's the scattergun nature of it that, that I found most concerning. It's like... I know it can be. It's always quite restrictive to just sort of say, okay, we're only going to go for you know young players from League One and League Two and develop them, or or something along those lines, or you know adhere to a, a strict policy. But when you are kind of the, the the sheer range of names, and you know Peter Crouch is the obvious um, one that sort of stands out as being particularly silly, but. It does just seem like there isn't a plan that he has, you know, as Paul said, he has said at some point, yeah, we need to get players with, you know, experience the championship or or the the football league or or certainly suited to, to that without really actually, without that being reflected in the list of names that are in Paul and Danny's piece. Um, so, I mean... Twas ever thus at Forest, I suppose. But the the the, the kind of big concern that uh, that uh, I took away from um, from that piece was there isn't really much of a plan here. So, what's the perception now in in January twenty twenty one of how Modesto's doing? Then, Paul, this might be a make or break month for him, I suppose. To be entirely blunt, it, it, looking back at the summer after the failures of last season and the way that 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 the campaign imploded. And, and the, as we mentioned, the January recruitment was part of that. You, there was this big showdown meeting in, in Athens where 
they they kind of had a post mortem about where things went wrong, and you kind of presumed that that would lead to somebody carrying the can, that that would lead to somebody leaving, that that would lead to somebody paying the price. To be frank, and and it didn't. You know, Sabri Lamucci hung on to his job. Uh, he, he only lasted five or six games of the following season, of course, but but so did Francois Modesto, and 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 the end result of that meeting was uh, a, a plan that seemingly. Well, it didn't seemingly. It, it did end up with Forrest making twelve and and, and twelve new additions, and then thirteen uh, when Anthony Knockhart arrived after Chris Hutton's appointment. It, 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 I, I don't see how they could have sat down realistically in that moment and decided that Forrest needed thirteen new additions. It, 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 that that's what con, well, not concerns me, but that's where the mistake uh, came about for me. You know, they probably needed four or five quality new additions, and they did make some good additions in the summer. People like. Uh, Scott McKenna and uh, Lloyd Kenby So and uh, Lyle Taylor. You know there are there have been good additions. Even Cyrus Christie. I think he's even. I'm not saying he's amazing, but I think he's a reasonable addition. Uh, I think they did make some good additions within the signings they made. Harry Arter as well. I, th- I still believe he's going to be show that he's better than he's shown so far. But they didn't need to make as many signings as they did. They created a, a mood of chaos with 13 new additions added to a dressing room that was already well-stocked. It, that That's where things didn't make sense for me. And that's where I think Chris Hutton came in and found himself having to try and, 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 and work amid that chaos and try and calm things down a little bit. That's where the problems all started for Forrest this season for me. And, and Hutton, Nick, seems quite happy to work with, with Modesto based on the information in the in the piece. Is that just Hewton's much-wanted affability or do, do you think there's just an acceptance on his part that, hey, I'm not a manager, that, that role doesn't really exist anymore in the Premier League and the Championship. I'm the head coach and, and there are going to be other people sort of working above and around me. I think it's a, a mixture of both, probably more the latter than the former. He is a, a sort of a, a pragmatist in the in the true sense of the word, I know pragmatist is usually in football is usually a cipher for he plays awful football. But what it actually means is kind of de- adapting yourself to the situation and working with the tools that you've got. And you know, Hutton is obviously not an idiot. He would have known what the ownership structure and the decision making structure at Forest was before he came in. He wouldn't have taken the job otherwise. And uh, so, so uh, yeah, I, I think he he sort of fully accepts that. He may want some uh, input, and he uh, undoubtedly has some input on the transfers. But he knows that there is this um, kind of overarching, overarching structure, and in theory, it's a sensible one, because it's particularly a, a club like Forest that kind of you know churn through managers like like they do. It's it's theoretically perfectly sensible to have someone in place above that to to oversee the transfers. Um, and I, you know, I, I Paul will know more about this than me, but yeah, I think Hutton fully accepts that he knew that was the 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 sort of situation when he took the job, and uh, that's how he's working now. He he was very very clear when we spoke to him about this that that he has the final say. And if you take, I know it's easy to take him on face value when he says things like that, and other managers have said the same thing in the past, and it's turned out that they perhaps didn't. But I do get the sense that he he genuinely feels. That is the way that they are operating and the way they will operate in the future, that he will have the final say on transfers. Now, that might mean that Modesto or Brazil or even even the hierarchy itself might come to him with a list of signings saying, this this is who we're looking at, which one of those would you like out of that lot? It, it, it probably will work that way if we're realistic. But at the end of the day, as long as he definitely has the final say and says, no, I don't want him, I don't want him, but I would like him, then then it's perhaps a system that can work, but it is dependent on it actually working that way. And what you hope is that lessons have been learned from January, lessons have been learned from transfer windows gone by, and, and that they will actually listen to their manager and what he wants, and that he will very definitely have the final say as he believes he will have, because that's key to everything, isn't it? He, he does have the job title of manager rather than head coach, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but perhaps that is a sign that they are going to give him that responsibility more than they perhaps did some of his predecessors. The fact that Knockart has, has signed on for the season and, and the other players who we're going to talk about that, that Forrest have been linked with this month, Nick, would, would maybe suggest that uh, that Hewton's going to be leaning a bit more on Gary Brazil than he is on Modesto, which would make sense given that Gary Brazil's been working in English football for decades. Yeah, I mean, that that, that certainly is the, 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 the couple of... Um, Current targets that are mentioned in Paul and Danny's piece that certainly does that that they are kind of Hutton and Brazil 
targets rather than Modesto or any, anyone else who um, might have any input from the kind of Maranakis football empire. We will discuss this later on, but it's a, it is a, um, a, as we record, Ben Whiteman has just signed for Preston. So that's a, um, and having kind of had a look at him, that's a, um, it's pretty disappointing that um, that Forrest weren't more strongly in for him or they kind of couldn't beat um, Preston to his signing. But yes, certainly they, they do seem to be uh, targets with a slightly more um, Brazil slash Houghton focus than anyone else. Well, let's have a look at those those players that Forrest are linked with now and, and then we'll move on to some players who've left the club over, over the last week. As Nick mentioned, Ben Whiteman, touted as a potential signing but has gone to Preston and Paul you've also said Philip Kravinovich and, and Luke Jeffcott could be potential incoming players Kravinovich currently in the Premier League on, on loan at West Brom and Jeffcott having a really good season at Plymouth a, any update on on how realistic moves for either of those two are and whether they're likely to come off well Jeffcott was a, a similar situation that to, to, to Whiteman really uh, in the sense that we know that Forrest were looking at him we know that they were scouting both players and uh, if I'm honest, as I tried to outline in the piece that, that, that when we spoke about Whiteman for the first time, it, I never got the sense that Forrest were seriously bidding for, for, for Whiteman. He was just somebody they were watching and was clearly... I, I mentioned his name purely because it felt like he was very much evidence that, that Gary Brazil was having an impact, that he was you know coming up with players like this, that he, that he was finding up-and-coming targets from lower levels, which is perhaps a direction that, you know, Forrest... Forest might explore more. Uh, to be to be entirely frank, you know they've tried the pathway of getting players from Greece and and, and far flung other places. You know the the likes of De Costa and I, I actually think Guerrero and Cafu are, are actually okay. I don't think they're they're bad at all. But if you look at players like Whiteman, there's got to be value there in him. You know I think he's gone to Preston for like one and a half, two million pounds. You're not going to lose a lot of money if if. It is a gamble signing somebody like him, but it's a gamble that's done with uh, with foresight and evidence. And when you look at his performances in League One, there is a suggestion there that if he can make the step up to the Championship, he would be a very good signing. And it's encouraging that that Forest are looking at, at players like that and Jeff Cott as well. He's 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 really mixing it up well at, for for Plymouth, scoring a lot of goals. Uh, and if they were to take a punt on a player like that, I think fans would naturally give them more leeway, a little bit more patience and a little bit more time to settle just because it would be a, a change of pace. And, you know, last time Forrest did it, last time they got somebody from, from League One who was scoring a lot of goals, it was Britta Sombolonga and that, that worked out quite well. So uh, maybe maybe it's time to have a change of tack and, and listen to, to Gary Brazil a little bit more when he comes up with players like that. Uh, the lad from West Brom, after a long rambling answer, uh, I think he's probably the, the most likely one to join, uh, but it but it all depends on on them deciding whether to let him go or not, and let him go back to his parent club, and and Forrest will presumably then take him on loan. We'll we'll see there. Uh, one one thing I can tell you about uh, this morning is that uh, all this talk in the Scottish press about Shane Duffy coming to uh, Forest is is isn't true. Uh, Forest have got a lot of central defenders already, to say the least, and I don't think they've got any plans to add another one in January. If they are going to add it, it'll be in midfield or in the attacking midfield area rather than in the central defence where they've already got 17 options as it is. <laughs> well, that's good news. He wouldn't be an upgrade, really, Nick, would he? I don't think he's been absolutely dreadful since he's. I mean, Celtic have been a bit, obviously, in many respects, have been a bit of a, a clown show for most of the season. But he has been awful for them. Um, so, yeah, perfectly happy with the centre back options we got. Um, perfectly happy not to bring in Shane Duffy as well. Kravinovic, Nick, people would have would have seen him in the Championship last season. He's he's on loan to West Brom from Benfica, so that that's who Forrest I, I assume would be negotiating with. But Jeffcott, Welsh under twenty one international, twelve goals in seventeen games in in League One for Plymouth this season. He looks like he could be a really exciting player. Yeah, I, I'm just sorry. I'm just going to um, appropriately enough. Clough the cat has just forced his way into the room, so I'm just going to uh, break <laughs> break off briefly to close the door. Um, so sorry. Uh, hang on a second. Is he touting Robert Rosario? <laughs> uh, yes, I fear he is. <laughs> yeah, um, from what I've seen, and I, I, I'll caveat this by saying I can't pretend I've watched him every week, but um, from 
doing a, a reasonable amount of research on him. He he looks like a uh, Jeff Cott looks like a really promising player, good all round forwards. Um, he's got twelve goals already this season. A lot of them seem to be kind of quite instinctive poachers strikes. Um, seems to be pretty decent with either foot. Um, a few headers as well. But he's also he also seems to be quite good at sort of dropping deep and playing uh, sort of nice layoffs and passes to players around him, which I could, I, I suppose, in theory, would f- fit quite nicely with how Forrest uh, play at the moment with, um, you know, a couple of wingers and, and sort of a theoretical number 10, whoever is kind of picked to fill that role this week. Um, if you if you want to kind of uh, dip into the, um, to the murky world of XG for a moment, apparently his XG this season is 8.65 on, uh, and he scored 12 goals. So it very much depends on how you want to interpret that. It's either that um, his... Uh, he's over overperforming, and the, the it's unsustainable. And his kind of goal scoring numbers will ov- eventually kind of level out. And he this is just a sort of unrepresentative um, period of form. Or you could argue that he's actually a brilliant finisher, and he's just sticking away chances that most other players wouldn't. Um, but you know, you, you take take those stats as you as you as you will from the kind of eye test. He looks like a, a, a very promising forward. Not not huge. I think he's about five ten, five eleven. But he seems kind of you know fairly robust and able to play a kind of couple of different roles in that kind of centre forward position. Uh, in terms of departures, three players have left over the last week. Jake Taylor, a 22-year-old midfielder, has gone to Port Vale. He'd been there on loan. He never made a, a first-team appearance for Forest, having come from the Manchester United Academy. Um, Tendai Dirikwa to Wigan. That must have stung you, Paul. You've been you've been championing him, championing <laughs> him on the pod uh, these last few weeks, but he's gone to the northwest. Yeah, I, I think he's he, he's been a bit unlucky. You know, it's just circumstances, really, wasn't it? Last summer, he he got that injury and. Uh, it led to Forrest signing one or two other players in his position that left him further down the pecking order. Uh, it, it, it never felt like he was going to get a chance. Uh, this this season now he's fit again. I, I suspect he's probably been a victim of the the twenty five man squad rule as much as anything. Because had had that not existed, had it been any other season, he, he could quite comfortably have come in and and played the odd game or two. He was never registered in the twenty five. So he never really, well, he knew all the time that he was never really going to get a chance. He would have been turning up for training every week, knowing that on a Saturday he wasn't going to be called upon. So it must have been hard for him. Uh, probably deserved a little bit better, but you know, good luck to him now. He's he's found a new club. Hopefully he'll uh, do a good job there and get himself maybe another championship club in the summer. We'll we'll see. But I, I certainly think he's without without saying he's the best right back to ever have played for Forest by any means. He he was certainly a steady championship defender and. Hopefully he'll find himself back at that level sooner rather than later because he's he's capable of playing there. My good friend Matt wanted to know, Forrest had to pay off the end of his contract. Presumably they, they have done, haven't they, to, to, to get him off the wage book? I, I don't know what the terms of his departure will have been, but yeah, you imagine there will have been uh, some sort of agreement made over the remainder of his of his Forrest contract. But whatever the terms of that deal were, Forrest will be... Happy, I suppose, from their point of view, to be saving at least a little bit of money. You presume I, I can't imagine he got his his his, his full contract paid up, but uh, but yeah, he, he's he's indicative of the the kind of over bloated squad that that Forest now have. You've got people like Zach Clough and Michael Heffler uh, also earning a, a a weekly wage, knowing that they're they're never going to get anywhere near the team and. Uh, Forest need to be kind of moving those on if, as well if they can. I, I don't get any sense that Zach Clough's going to move on anytime soon, and you kind of feel a bit for him because his career's really gone a, a little bit awol. When he arrived at Forest, he was he, he looked really bright and really sharp and and like a, a good little player, but things have just gone wrong for him. He's he, he, he's in a really difficult spot because you know there's not there's not a, a a long queue of clubs kicking down the door trying to sign him this January and he's out of contract in the summer. I'm sure financially he's he's perfectly well set up having been on a, a very long contract at Forest on decent money. He, he won't he won't be short of, um, you know, won't be struggling to pay the gas bill but in terms of his playing career it's, it's a real shame that he's just ended up a bit of a wasted talent. Hopefully in the summer he can find himself a another club and, and get himself back on track a little bit because, you know, he's another one that you think 
is probably just a, a little bit of a waste at the minute, and it, it's bad for him and, and bad for Forrest paying paying the wages of a player who's not doing anything. I think that's a that's a kind of an important thing to clarify as well. It, it's uh, without wishing to kind of uh, point other people point people in the direction of another Forest podcast, but on the uh, BBC Forest podcast last week, I think it was uh, Steve Wright, who, may, who people um, may know, not the uh, former Radio One DJ, but uh, <laughs> a Forest blogger. You all may know him on Twitter as Mr. Rolling In. Um, very kind of thoughtful, intelligent thinker about forest he made the point that it's we we can't often make the mistake of talking about these players you know the the cloughs and the hefflers and so on in the bomb squad as just sort of uh like moving pieces in a puzzle yet to be completed when you know they're 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 professional footballers they they are uh, people who have had their careers possibly through no fault of their own, kind of derailed by the sort of swirling chaos that is Nottingham Forest. They, uh, you know, Heffel has obviously had injuries, but Clough has sort of done nothing more than sign a duty contract when it was put in front of him and then not been quite good enough to play for for Forest for, for a series of managers. And given the churn of managers that have uh, have come through in that time, off the, the off the top of my head, Clough would probably have had what three or four managers at least in in the time that he he would have been here. Uh, it's just kind of impossible to establish yourself when you're when you're already kind of written off a little bit. So you kind of this the whole situation at Forest is it's not only a a, a, a problem for um, the kind of sensible and well running of a uh, good running of a football club but you're messing with people's lives here this is you know it's not it's not a good way to run a football club but it's not a good way to operate morally either really this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. I wonder if there's some some slight similarity with, with the other departure that we've seen this week in, in Nicholas Ioannou. He's joined Aris Thessaloniki on loan for the rest of the season. Remember, he only signed a, a four-year deal last summer. And, and you look at that, Nick, and, and it's easy to kind of, again, go down the route of thinking of him as a commodity rather than, than a, a footballer. But because of the way Forrest have been run for the last few years, you, you think of it as, oh, there's something strange gone on there or that's just a bad signing. Whereas it might be a case of, here's a lad who's come in from a different country in the middle of a pandemic, has found it difficult to settle, wants to go home. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's sort of easy to speculate on the kind of personal reasons why someone might not settle. And, you know, frankly, it's none of our business. But you're right, it's very easy to... To assume the not maybe assume the worst is too strong, but to assume that something else is 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 going on because it it was just a, a slightly odd signing at the time. Forrest already had um, three or four. He he was a kind of a big defender who could play either as a left sided centre back or as a left back. Um, Forrest already had had already signed at least one of those this summer. They already had two or three left backs. Had a, a a large selection of uh, centre backs available, um, and you know he'd looked all right in the few games he played. Obviously, got sent off at Luton, and which um, was that? Is that the the last time he played? It may have been. Yeah. So it, it, it just it felt like a of all the you know if if you were to we often make this point that you know Forest signed fourteen players in the summer. So you could someone could easily say, okay, well, go through those fourteen players and say which ones didn't didn't Forrest need, and Eoano would probably be at the top of that list. He was a looked like a perfectly reasonable footballer, but footballer, but he was most certainly in the category of players that Forrest didn't need to sign in the summer. 
It, I think his situation was influenced more by by other players and their situation. You had Gaten Bong, who Forrest had, had almost entirely written off and wanted to move out in the summer prior to Chris Hutton coming in. And obviously, he's got an, an existing relationship with Bong, trusts him. He played a lot of games under him uh, in the Premier League, and he he, he really you know, likes him as a fullback. So his position changed from being utterly ostracised to being back in the fold and, and part of the plans. And then you had Yuri Ribeiro, who for long spells in the summer, another left-back, looked like he was going to leave. It looked like he was going to go to Olympiacos. But again, going back to the human element of it, I don't think he was keen to go. He ended up staying at Forest, pinned down the left-back spot. And all of a sudden, uh, having signed Ayanu to to cover for the fact that Bong and, and Ribeiro were potentially going, they they found themselves with four or five left backs if you include Tyler Blackett as well. Again, the slightly chaotic planning at Forest ended up with them overloaded, and and that's why Ayanu found himself down the pecking order again and 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 packaged off uh, back to Greece for for a loan move. It's uh, it, that that one position is probably indicative of everything that's happened in terms of transfers and transfer windows over the over the last year or two. Yeah, well, we'll find out over the next few weeks whether Forest can do some better business than they managed this time last year. Shouldn't be too tricky. Uh, right, next up, we'll have a brief chat re the Football Association Challenge Cup. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, well, isn't my face red? I predicted a typically underwhelming Forest FA Cup campaign only for the Reds to go and beat Cardiff and make it through to round four. Uh, briefly on that game, Paul, fair to say Forest rode their luck and, and we're pretty grateful that Cardiff didn't pick their first choice strikers. I think it was a fairly even game, if I'm honest. It, it 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 wasn't a classic by any means. I think that's something of an understatement. In fact, it was a terrible game. But but Forrest did enough to to get the job done. Uh, a, a nice early goal. You know how often have we seen that this season? Lyle Taylor scoring after three minutes. And and yes, you know there were spells in the game where Forrest were hanging on a little bit. But you never you never felt like Cardiff were going to overwhelm them. To be to be fair, and uh, having made eight or nine changes to his team. I think Chris Hutton will be quite pleased with the way his afternoon went. You know, he got the chance to rest a few players, got the chance to have a look at a, a few others and give them a run out. And uh, he probably had a few performances in there. Scott McKenna probably among the the, the biggest of them that, that has given him a bit of food for thought for, for his team selection when it comes to playing Millwall. I mean, I, I don't know what he'll do, to be honest. It's a really tough one because... Uh, Tobias Figueiredo has, has come back into the side following a, a bad run and, and done pretty well in the last three or four games prior to Cardiff and uh, it, it's a really tough choice personally I'd stick with McKenna because he, he balances things out being able to play on the left side uh, Worrell can move back across to the right and they just feel like more of a, a natural pairing rather than Worrell having to play on the left but uh, I don't envy being in, in Chris Hutton's shoes when it comes to his team selection for this weekend so after this weekend, as a reward for beating a side from South Wales, Forrest handed a fourth round tie against a team from South Wales. Uh, they'll play Swansea at the Liberty Stadium weekend of the 23rd, 24th of this month. Um, Nick, we could apply all the same caveats we did to Cardiff with this one. Two teams with, a, with other priorities, etc. Do, does the fact that you get to host Man City offer any incentive or does it just make you think, well, if we win this game, we're only going to go out in the next round anyway? I mean, maybe. I mean, uh, uh, Cheltenham continue. might beat Man City. We should say, of course, in, uh, in the fourth <laughs> round. Yeah, I mean, sort of continuing the sort of downbeat note uh, that we talked about the FA Cup last week. It's it's only a sort of it's a theoretically exciting potential game, but is it that exciting when none of us are going to be able to? Well, Paul might be able to go, but you know, the likes of the mere civilians like you and me, Matt, we won't be able to be there as as fans. We won't be able to kind of, you know, experience the kind of heady sugar rush of playing a a, a very good team that we get every now and then. Um, everything that um, a, an exciting cup draw should bring is was is or most of what an exciting cup. George should bring isn't really available this season, so it is a. I suppose it's a bit of a um, a, a sort of carrot to something to look forward to, something you know, p- something potentially exciting to 
to um, reward Forest if they, if they beat Swansea, but I'm afraid I still can't get really excited. And I suppose if you, I can't really get excited about um, playing who are probably you know arguably the best team in the country at the at the moment on form, then you know what can you get excited about with the FA Cup? Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm being particularly miserable about this. But even during Manchester City, I can't particularly get excited about it. Well, before the cup returns, Forest have got two big league games on the horizon. We'll preview those matches next. The relentless championship season keeps on rolling for now at least. Coming up for the two-time European champions this weekend, a home game against Millwall. The good guys coming into this one unbeaten in six, four points behind Millwall after their very creditable midweek draw at Bournemouth. Uh, We say this a lot, Paul, but it it does feel like a win here could be big. You know, against a a fellow struggler, set up the game against Middlesbrough on Wednesday, etc. It's it's a good opportunity to, to cut the gap on a team just above Forest in the table. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you want to see from Forest mainly is just a continuation of the improvement that we've seen in recent weeks. They've only conceded two goals in the last six games. They look to have shored things up at the back and they're more defensively solid than they have been in a in a long time, which I guess is always what you kind of expected and, and hoped for from a Hewton side. That's always been his style, is to, to make his teams difficult to beat and hard to break down. And it, it seems to be coming together on that front, certainly. what What you want to see next is just that little bit more uh, attacking threat and that little bit more goal threat because they're still not scoring many goals either. I think Sheffield Wednesday was the last time they scored more than one goal, in fact. So if if, if you want to be uh, picky, that, that's the one area where they can improve and you'd, it would be great just to see Forrest, you know, get another win and, and maybe score a couple of goals in the process. Uh, I, I was thinking about it today, actually, you know, through all the talk of players coming in in January when when you look at the Forest squad you've got players like uh, Knockhart and Freeman Amiobi Lolly uh, Graben I'm, I'm probably missing a couple there's, there's some very good attacking players in, in the side and arguably on paper when 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 those players came in in the summer you'd have looked at it and thought that you know there weren't too many uh, championship sides with as much quality in attacking areas as, as that and it hasn't shone through yet but you know there's no reason why it, it it shouldn't in the longer term if 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 players like that can finally start to to show what they can do. I know Freeman's had an injury, uh, Knockhart as well was a little rusty when he arrived, but but hopefully in the second half of the season, now that they've got no excuses about fitness or sharpness, then then that can that quality can start to shine through and Forrest can can perhaps show that they are better than their league table uh, currently suggests. League table position currently suggests. Uh, less than a month since the team shared a 1-1 draw in South London. Alex Mighton got his first Forest goal that day, Nick. Do you think he might get a start here? And, and are you along the same kind of lines of thinking as Paul, that it might be McKenna and Worrell rather than Worrell and Figueredo? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's uh, Figueredo has sort of improved in recent weeks, but, um, you know, the... Uh, I remain slightly unconvinced by him. He, he he's a defender that makes me nervous, and um, I, you know we don't like defenders that make make us nervous. Um, he always looks like he's got a sort of I think, maybe it's something to do with his face. He looks like a a, a face that could be easily panicked. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's probably a good job I'm not involved in kind of recruitment for a professional football club, really, because I turn down for players for all sorts of stupid reasons. Their face um, is a remarkable one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just he just he, he looks like he, he looks like he could easily just panic in uh, in tight situations. Don't know why. Don't, don't <laughs> got nothing to back it up, but I'm sticking with it. There's um, a good so, feature yeah. there somewhere, isn't there? I remember, <laughs> I remember Russell Brand once describing David Moyes as having a face permanently set for disappointment. And, <laughs> yes, that's true, and I can see what you mean with Figueredo too. Yeah, um, but uh, Worrell and McKenna do feel much more reassuring. I guess they're sort of they're quite nicely balanced in that you know one of them is left footed, one of them is right footed. I suppose the the one of the concerns you might have is that um, they are maybe quite similar players. They're both sort of big stoppers, or I suppose McKenna is is pretty useful, um, you know, passing out of the back. But they certainly seem a, a more reassuring partnership. Um, and yeah, I, I, Alex Mighton, um 
despite uh, you know, before he had this little run in the team, I said um, I was slightly unconvinced by him, but he's looked really lively in those uh, few games. You, you could say he was kind of slightly unlucky to um, be left out of the team in the, the previous league games, but I suspect that is probably more a case of, of Hewton being kind of sensible about a very young player who's um, you know still finding his way in, in this most chaotic of um, uh, seasons with games running into each other and you know, no more than a few days break between each games is probably quite sensible to give someone like that a bit of a rest. But yeah, I certainly like to see him, um, see him in the in the starting eleven. Um, although, you know, Knockart's looking uh, a little bit better, and if he's kind of sticking around for the rest of the season, it's probably a good idea to have him as a key part of the team. So it's it's just a, a question of who you who you leave out really. Well, Forrest, did you a result against Millwall? They haven't won any of the last six meetings. And in this fixture last season, which was the final one before lockdown, uh, Millwall won 3-0 at the city ground. Uh, following Millwall on Saturday, it's Middlesbrough on Wednesday. Also at home, uh, likely to be a tricky one this. Borough fifth in the championship form table at the time of recording. They've won three of their last four. In the actual table, they're just outside the playoff places. They've got a home game against Birmingham coming up uh, this weekend. Nick, it seems like our friend Uncle Colin doing his thing. Tough to beat, tough to score against, tough. Very tough. Classic Warnock. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone is particularly um, surprised about what's what he's doing there. He's, you know, sprinkling his no-nonsense magic dust over, uh, <laughs> over a, a previously um, sort of uh, underachieving team. I mean, I... I I always say I quite like Neil Warnock, but what I think what I actually mean is he usually answers the phone when you ring him, which uh, <laughs> as a as a as a journalist is basically a another way of saying he's a top bloke and I really love him and uh, every everyone's wrong about him. Um, but I do quite admire his sort of um, constant, like uh, you know, this is this is definitely going to be my last job. I'm definitely retiring after this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to you know go and live in Dorset with Sharon um, for the rest of my life kind of thing. He's broken a lot of promises to Sharon over the years, hasn't he? I think. Yeah. And it, but, but he always, every single time he comes back, he's, he will say a variant along the lines of, well, Sharon was, uh, was sick of me not kicking around the house. She had to, she was happy to get rid of me. Slight, uh, again, we've got, I've gone on a slight tangent there, but um, yeah, Middlesbrough doing pretty much exactly what you'd expect a new Warnock side to be doing. Yeah, and they've got some good players as well. Dale Fry seems to be having a good season. Duncan Watmore looks like a, a really good pickup too. Just finally on Warnock, Paul, you might you might know this. He's not a popular figure with, with Forest fans, but he has been linked with the job a few times. Has he ever come particularly close to taking it? Yeah, yeah, he came very close to taking it under Fawaz Al Hasawi. He uh, he was offered it, uh, and I, I think it went further than that. I think he'd, an agreement was close to being reached, and uh, th- there was some strange fallout. Uh, I'm not sure what it's not it was like all Fawaz over. And Neil Fawaz. Fawaz. I was going to no. say Fawaz falling out with someone for no particular reason. Stop but it, you know boy. What? You're right. Forest fans don't like him, but I think I don't know, and I sense we'll never know. But I think they'd probably change their minds had he actually been Forest manager at any point. I think he's one of those managers that that you love if if he's if he's yours. You know, he's, he's like a modern day David Speedy. You know, if he, if he plays <laughs> if he if he plays for you, you love him. But if he doesn't, you absolutely despise him. So I think Warnock's the management version of that, and uh, I think it's a shame because he, he was fantastic across the river at Notts County. He was, you know, probably the the, the master of their their greatest period in recent history. When you know, lots of us who watched Notts in that period thought that that. That, that that was it that top flight football was going to be the norm for for those at, at Meadow Lane as as we as we found out it it didn't quite turn out that way so uh, so yeah it would have been nice to see if he could have delivered similar success on on the opposite bank of the trend and part of me thinks he probably would have done just because wherever he goes he does generally tend to do quite a good job uh and and you know with the resources he would have had at Forest at the time who knows how it would have turned out and uh We'll never know. So maybe, maybe, maybe we can file that under Forest Regrets. <laughs> it's a big old file. Uh, the last thing that I, <laughs> yes. I want to talk about on the Middlesbrough game, Nick, or the last person I should say, is, is Britta Sombolonga. I wonder, did Forest actually get the better of, of the deal to, to sell him? When I initially thought about that, I thought, well, yes, obviously. But then I looked at his numbers, 15, 14 and 11 league goals in his, in his three full seasons at Borough, just four this time around so far. Not dreadful numbers, but... but 
as has been borne out, not fire you back to the Premier League numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's always slightly difficult to... I, I, I suppose in, in the time that um, that Asambolonga has been gone, we've had Lewis Graben in that position, and you can't... If, if Forrest had had you know, nobody who broke double finger, figures in the kind of intervening um, three seasons or whatever it's been, then maybe we would kind of lament his sale a little bit more. But I don't think... I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a strange thing with Zombolong. Maybe it was because he was only at Forest for a couple of seasons. I never really... He was He was a sort of... He was obviously a very good player and scored some kind of quite big goals for Forest. But I, I, I wasn't enormously sad when he left. Maybe it was because we got a, a very good price for him. Maybe because I think at the time, I, I get again, Paul will remember this better than me. But I think at the time it was kind of basically a choice between right, we're either going to sell Asambolonga or we're going to sell Oliver Burke. And while uh, you know Oliver Burke hasn't exactly kind of ripped it up s- since then, uh, I think at the time I would have happily chosen to sell Asambolonga to to raise a bit of money. Um, but yeah, like I said, if if we hadn't have had a, a a very reliable championship goalscorer in the interim, then I may have been a little sadder about it. Forrest didn't actually have a choice when it came to selling him because Middlesbrough hit the fee in his. Uh, the, the, there was a clause in his contract that said he could go if anybody offered fifteen million pounds, and they they offered it. So that was that. Uh, oh, he, he, there you he, go. He this is what a, this is why I have you on rather than me just spouting <laughs> off. He, he got a massive pay rise in in the in the in the process as well, like the kind of money that Forrest would never have paid. Uh, so so he he'll be quite happy. I'm, I'm not saying he just did it for the money. I'm sure he didn't. But but you know, I'm sure that was also a a, a major factor. Being able to go on to get himself a, a a new contract on significantly significantly increased terms at a club that looked like they were going to push for promotion seemed like a a good move for him at the time. I'm sure. But uh, as we've said there, I'm not sure that 15 million pounds in Forest coffers turned out to be the worst deal for them either. Nope. Well, I look forward to uh, discussing his hat trick in the game when we meet next week. <laughs> yeah, I've done it there, <laughs> haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, it's the moment Paul's been waiting for all week. Did they really play for Forest? <laughs> Long-time listeners will know how this works. Nick gives us a series of clues about a Forest player who underwhelmed in his time in the Garibaldi. Paul and I try to guess their identity. Sensationally, as we mentioned, Paul got George Boateng on the first clue last week. I've been absolutely hopeless at the game previously. Um, Nick, do you want to kick us off for this week? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would have been it, it, listeners could pick it up there, but I think I heard over the line there the sound of Paul actually rubbing his hands together. At <laughs> <laughs> Having... Uh, having pulled that remarkable uh, answer out of the bag last week, you can understand why the boy's confident. Um, no, there's no confidence here, trust me. <laughs> all right. So, uh, uh, as as ever, we've got five pieces of information. Um, uh, the most difficult first, probably the easiest last. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the guys have got to guess who this f- forgotten yet famous player who played for us was. So, the first clue... Uh, who am I? In my first Premier League game, I played along. I appeared alongside Tommy Wright. In my final Premier League game, I appeared alongside Michael Chopra. Uh, do you want to have a guess, Paul? There's going to be no repeat of the George Boateng moment here, I don't think. <laughs> no, I've got nothing. That's a bit of a relief uh, because you know. I don't, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it, we'd it's have to add the feature if you got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah quite <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to throw a name out there: Greg Halford. No, no, that's not right. That's not right. Uh, okay, second right, clue. Right. Second clue. I have won trophies alongside Franz Carr, Teddy Sheringham, and Kevin Campbell. Mm. I am struggling. Kingsley Black? No, no, I can see where you went there, but no. Clue three. I have won a European trophy, but I was not on the pitch when it was won. We can't have Jonathan Greening again. <laughs> no. That wasn't my guess. <laughs> I'm definitely returning to form here. I think we can define George Boateng as me putting one in off my backside last week because uh, <laughs> I've got nothing. I, I, I can't even fire a shot over the bar. I'm just trying to think of like the Man United bench from the 2008 Champions League final and that kind of thing, and I'm coming up blank. Go on then, Nick. Give us another one. Um, okay. I was born in Nottingham, but I didn't play for Forest until I was 37. Oh, Richard Goff. Nope. 
Andy Cole. It's Andy Cole, yes. Yes, oh. correct. The European trophy was not on the pitch when it was one is slightly sneaky because he came off before the two late goals in the 99 Champions League final. So um, I thought that was a, a slightly... I thought that was a clue that might throw you off, and indeed it did. Yeah, I'm quite well, it was a lie, wasn't it? I mean, it's just it's just not not accurate. So, what do you I mean? Think... What do you mean it's a lie? It's perfectly accurate. He wasn't on the pitch when the final was won. Okay. No, what what holes can you pick in that statement? Uh, it's deceptive, I think. Um, oh yeah, well, yeah. maybe not in the spirit of the game, but you know, I won. Look, so I'm not, I'm not... I am the quiz master. <laughs> I am the quiz master of this, and I make the rules. So you're gonna to have to follow them, I'm afraid. Um, was anybody at Loftus Road that day when, when Andy Cole played for Forest and gave what might have been the worst performance that any professional footballer has ever given? No, I, I wasn't there. I was at Preston. I think he, he one of his. He only played about ten games, and one it of them was, was at Preston. Rubbish, wasn't he? he I mean, was he just awful. was so disinterested. Yeah, yeah he, he, he strolled around quite a lot. Was it? Wasn't he the one? I, I might be getting this wrong, and I think I've told this story before, and I, I've got a feeling it might have been a different player, but. There was definitely a striker who was on loan who, who the stats showed had covered less ground in a match than Lee Camp had. Yes, I think that was Andy Cole. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if he just came for one final payday before he retired. Um, right, we're just about out of time for this week. Before we go, Paul, tell us what Athletic subscribers can read from you on the site. We've been talking about the, the Modesto piece. It's um, it's a hugely detailed one, as you would expect from the Athletic <laughs> and, and well worth everybody's time. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, there is that. That's uh, that's that went live yesterday, and uh, that's probably still worth a look if you haven't already. Uh, do you know what? Having, having spoken about it just now, I've got an idea for a column, but I might keep that one under my hat. Uh, <laughs> keep, keep an eye out for a column on something I've t- spoken about today. <laughs> in the uh, in the next day or two. <laughs> well, just okay. an idea. I'm guessing it's not going to be about Andy Cole. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It, it, it's actually going to be about how uh, Forest do perhaps have more attacking threat in their side than they've shown so far with players like Knockart and uh, uh, Freeman coming back, and you know whoever they sign in January, they've got the potential to be better uh, already. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll find out in the next twenty-three or twenty-four games, won't we? We sure will. Uh, Nick, you've been moonlighting on other podcasts, I see. Hurtful. Yeah, sorry about that. I was thinking of you the entire time, Matt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was on the uh, Football Clichés uh, podcast yesterday, which is always uh, hugely enjoyable, talking about the foreign influx to um, the the Premier League. I'm not saying that Adam asked me to go on specifically to talk about Andrea Salenzi, but uh, it, <laughs> let, you know, let's just say it did form a, a key key part of my appearance I also um, referenced the infamous Nottingham Post back page which declared that Forrest was signing Baggio Dino Baggio of course but um, you know something something that I'm sure Paul gets asked about a lot I'm pretty sure you wrote that headline wasn't it Paul yeah it was, sure it was actually it was Roberto Baggio it was Roberto Baggio oh no I've, yes. I've, I've been I've been telling that story wrong all these years I thought it was Dino Baggio no it was Roberto Baggio uh, oh, wow. and it, it was a story by Ian Edwards, my former colleague at the Post, who actually had been reliably informed, I believe, by Baggio's agent that there was something in it. Uh, wow. <laughs> but yes, it, it, somewhere through the mists of time, that that became a story that I'd written, and it, it 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 was something I had literally nothing to do with. But every time I, for a spell, every time I did a transfer story, people would respond on Twitter with "It's Baggio," which which was yeah. lovely. I mean, you know, I'll, t- I'll take the flat for my own mistakes, but but not for not for others. No, I've can, made enough you, of my own, thanks. <laughs> you can say you can say that now, Paul, but we all know that it really was you that wrote it. <laughs> Would Roberto Baggio have been a better replacement for Stan Collymore than Andrea Salenzi? We'll never know. <laughs> the divine, the divine ponytail. Quite. Uh, listen, remember you can sign up to the Athletic for just three pounds ninety nine a month for the first six months and enjoy unrivaled coverage of your club in twenty twenty one, as well as ad free podcasts via the app. Just go to theathletic.com slash forest pod for all the info. Uh, my thanks to Nick, to Paul, and to producer Adonis, and mainly to you, listener. We'll catch up with you again same time next week. From all of us here, though, it's bye for now. The Athletic. <laughs>